This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Geekscape, it's welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and we are not in the Westwood One studios. We are actually on assignment down at WonderCon at the Anaheim Convention Center. We had a blast this past weekend, and I recorded a few interviews on the floor at WonderCon. So let me transport you there. Here are the interviews I did over the weekend, and enjoy. Hey, Geekscapists, I'm here on the floor at WonderCon, and I ran into Mr. Dominic Santiago, better known as Carlos Ferro. You guys know him from the Gears of War games. At least that's how my introduction to you. Uh, that's, I, I have to say it. You, you set me up perfectly. Sup, bitches! <laughs> that's all I do. Yeah, um, so tell me, because we met a few years ago in Meltdown through our friend Bo Ryan. We were in there recording Nerd Rage, which was a show we used to do for Machinima, and now we're here on the floor of WonderCon. What have you been up to since? Um, since then, uh, a lot. I've been really fortunate in that my franchises like Assassin's Creed and uh, Gears of War, they've had longevity. Like, they, they, they weren't, you know, just a trilogy. Obviously, Gears of War has four and got to work on that, which was a load of fun. Um, the, the Ezio collection came out to, for the Xbox One, and there's a lot of promotion for it. And, you know, I'm really proud of Leonardo da Vinci in that. And uh, it's, it's one of those things that you never expect. I think actors, when they're busy, they expect the well to run dry eventually. And it's really nice that these franchises have had longevity and staying power. And uh, when people ask me, like, what are you doing next, that sort of thing, I'm like, I, I know, but it's like, non-disclosures aside, these things are never going to go away. You know, I, I when I worked on Scooby Doo, they were like, "You're going to be in the next Scooby Doo film," and I'm like, "Good," because Scooby Doo is a big deal to me, and it's never going to die. So good, I want to be involved in that franchise. What did you grow up with? I mean, as, like, was voice acting something that you fell into, or is it something that you pursued I'm, around your uh, acting? I consider myself a black card carrying geek. Like, I'm I'm the geeky kid that collected action figures, and the the way I live now is my house looks like a really rich ten year old lives there. And it's just action figures everywhere. When I was a kid, my mom used to say that my bedroom looked like I was doing a toy, a toy sale because I displayed everything. And I'm talking about a five-year-old kid. Yeah. I'm still that cat. So cartoons, animation, and even anime in high school, all these, all these things, these properties, I was a fan to begin with. Um, I would have had an Xbox One and PlayStation 2 anyway. And I just happened to be, the timing was right for a lot of us actors that were working in sci-fi uh, television they wanted people that it made sense kind of to do these geeky properties that we knew what we were talking about, that we had a reference point for what uh, a superhero villain is different than a detective story or a sci-fi story, et cetera, et cetera. So as a kid, I, I never thought anything like this was going to happen. And I didn't think I was going to be an actor, actually. When I was in my 20s, I thought I was going to be a DJ for the rest of my life. Really? Where'd you grow up? I, San Francisco. I was a nightclub DJ for four years professionally, and that's how I paid my way through grad school. And... Uh, you know th that was the idea was to you know do grad school and then proceed with music and be a music producer but uh 
the acting thing worked out. <laughs> so so I, I it kind of it's been around. I mean, I still do the raves at the conventions, uh-huh. and uh, it's a kick. But I am a vinyl DJ still. I mix by ear, no software. Your friend Bo Ryan. Uh, He's a cheater. <laughs> Bo, he, he, he knows about my DJing, and we've had that conversation about people that have sync button and people that don't. Does he actually try and DJing? I was saying that and assuming that he DJed. No, no, no. I, he's a music fan. He and I, he and I bonded over Wu-Tang tattoos and uh, you know, talking about Morrissey. So, the, so, so, he, so he's, an appreciative, he's appreciative of like the natural, the old school, like penicillin on wax. Yeah, and, and, and you know, vinyl is, is become a community just like all passions, you know. Everybody that digs vinyl records, they know from where they speak. They know what, what turntable they want to have. But I, I still have two turntables and a mixer in my living room, you know. Does it make you sick watching these kids with their, with their iPods? You know what? I'm, a big, I'm just such a music fan that I'm really forgiving. Like, I, people will be, when, when dubstep became a thing and people were saying, like, listen to Skrillex, and they did a whole South Park episode making fun of dubstep, that it sounded like farts and stuff like that I was like that's a little harsh man I'm like you know this is so almost a tradition that a generation is shitting on somebody else's you know music and I'm not that cat I I, there's so many new artists that I listen to right now that that I enjoy and I would probably throw into a mix with my Depeche Mode and my New Order my Morrissey or you know old school hip-hop there's there's always good music to be found you just got to dig what about auto-tuning do you draw the line there no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that auto tuning, like any other tech, I think that there's a place where it can be used creatively. And uh, you know, like uh, T Pain uh, did a video of not using auto tune, and the guy can sing beautifully. And it was, it, it didn't shock me because you know artists tend to play around with new technology, and you know, exploiting that to one's own ends is beautiful. I mean, it's great. And and I. I'm just not, I'm not an elitist like that. Like, I don't like film snobbery, cartoon, comic snobbery. I, I like people to be inclusive. So, no, uh, me and Bo celebrate music together. We don't give each other shit. Do you uh, start your sets with What's Up Bitches? You know, it's a bad move to talk for DJs, but I have to do full disclosure, totally. I don't, I don't start it, but during, <laughs> very encouraging. Someone on the show floor just, I watched her yawn while I was talking. It was amazing. Anyway, it was like, still talking about records? Still talking, yeah, way to go, guys. You guys talking about those video game stuff? So there's a little bit of Dominic Santiago that makes it into your DJ sets. It's, it, I'm sure it's plenty of ego, okay? But the people that show up to watch me spin vinyl, when there's a thousand kids that want to hear my trance music that's just high energy dance music they they do kind of see it seems to me they they sign up to hear dom throw out a sub bitches during the set not a make some noise it's it's you know sub bitches and the room erupts and i mean you live for that shit that's rock star moments that if i did that at a nightclub they'd be like why do you just call us bitches what's his fucking problem you know so it, it there's a place for it let's put it that way and i mean in your defense there's probably a ton of Dominic Santiago in you anyway, so that's I mean that's not so much Dom, that's that just that's Carlos. That Does that make sense? Like that, that's Carlos <laughs> getting out. <laughs> well, actually, I used to say that there's a lot of the character of Dominic Santiago in me, but then I, I reversed it. I changed it after ten years. He's pretty much fully me realized as a superhero. It's me. It's my. It's my personality. It's me. It's me. Me acting or overacting in some cases. What a best friend is like what it's like to be in love, what it's like to sacrifice your life. I mean, not to bring the room down, but the, that's how I would handle it. It's not just on the page. I mean, interpreting it has, has a lot of me in it. So, you know, that, that's, that Dom is me. 
Gears of War 3 spoilers, but you know what? You've had a lot of years to, to play that game, so we, we can't feel sorry for yeah, you here at Geescape because uh, that's what we're about. <laughs> yeah, not, no spoilers. Spoilers are spoilers. It's over. <laughs> spoilers. Um, now, what about... Uh, how much of you is in Leonardo da Vinci from the Assassin's Creed games? I, w- I don't know about my personality, but it's a character that I wanted to build. I mean, Ubisoft, they, they just like the new uh, franchises, they have Bibles for their stories. And uh, the Assassin's Creed franchise is insane, as you know. From the film, through all the games that take place in different timelines, different countries, the the thread that joins them all together is the research, the extensive research, and the, the universe is so huge. I had this responsibility to when I was doing, I worked on one, two, Brotherhood, and supporting voices in other games, but that character of Leonardo da Vinci, he was a historical character, so I could, I could do, I had some flexibility, but my, what I felt was important is that if there was going to be arguably the first gay character in video games, that he was portrayed heroically, um, that he was interesting, and not for nothing, I played him as being in love with Ezio, because I find love a lot more compelling than you know flirtation or or being or lust or hinting at it i think the idea of the the your hero has someone that cares about him that much that raises the stakes so as an actor that's what i wanted to do so he's 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 more of a character he, I, I would say he's pretty organically not me he's he's another guy and there wasn't a gay character in one of the Leisure Suit Larry games back in the day? Like, there, there wasn't a gay character? I, I would say if there was, it probably wasn't very kind. <laughs> and and uh, I, I think I, I wanted to live up to the responsibility of, you know, portraying a character with a bit of respect, you know what I mean? So you said that you were uh, a lover of old school, uh, of cartoons and video games. Comic books. And comic books. So to, so to close it up, what were your retro games? What were your retro cartoons? What were your retro comics? Uh Comics wise, I, I I'm the guy that had, I'm the guy that had. Um, the, um, I, I'm sorry, I was distracted a by Chewbacca, a Chewbacca riding around riding in, around a, in a Millennium Falcon. There's a little Millennium Falcon and a Chewbacca riding around on it. Uh, I will post that picture that uh, Heidi's about to take on Geekscape. That is amazing. So um, anyway, that was an amazing distraction. Um, my uh, my old school video game is Centipede. I will whip your ass at Centipede. My old school. Uh, cartoons that I still uh, go back to. I guess it's considered old school now, but I was always Batman the Animated Series. Um, uh, I still consider Kevin Conroy's Batman like kind of the standard. And uh, every time that I've auditioned for that dream role of Batman that has eluded me my entire career, I've been very fortunate to play. I'm very greedy in that respect, and all actors are. We want to play Superman. We want to play all that. I, Batman has just I've come this close, but I, I always hope that people are doing the character that kind of justice, you know, because Batman's a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, you said, and comic books. I have, I still have my collection that I stopped collecting like 25 years ago. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the big long cardboard box with all my, you know, plastic covers and shit. And it was D- my DC box, my Marvel box. And uh, I love them both very, pretty equally. But I love that all the storylines for the films now, that they're rooted in the, those stories from 25, 30 years ago. So the Dark Phoenix saga, that was like, for a kid, that was life changing. That, that that it wasn't just the Marvel, you know, complexity of the character. It was this cool story about a character going bad, and I mean, really bad. You know, cataclysmic killing planet, killing planet, bad. Yeah, and uh, and you know, not for nothing. The uh, there were there were villains that were a lot of fun. I mean, as a kid, there's a character called Arcade that's a blast from that same window. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the, the X Men were were all that when I was a kid. And uh, it was cool. I'm, I'm Forge in X-Men Next Dimension, the X first Xbox game. And I 
I had when I was working on the gig and I was seeing what I was. It was a fighting game, right? Like like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. I was. It was so hard to stifle my geekdom, you know, my my fandom. I was. I was being like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. So this is the lines for when I fight Cyclops. I see. Oh, okay. And inside, I'm like, fuck, this is awesome. You know. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, Forge is a little after what you and I are, are talking about as being like the prime X Men years. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, there, there's no topping like that. Chris Claremont, John yeah, Byrne stuff like that was the stuff. John Byrne, man, that's that's uh, an- another giant, you know. Yeah. Well, dude, good luck in getting Batman one day. Yeah, I'm telling We're you, all rooting for you. I'm telling you, it it uh, someday uh, off mic, I'll tell you some really fun stories. But uh, let's put it this way: in Assassin's Creed Two and Brotherhood and uh, Ascendance. Uh, Roger Craig Smith is the voice of Ezio Auditorio. Yeah, we've had him on the show. We love okay. Roger. Roger's amazing. Roger's a fantastic person, great actor, and he's he's the hero. I'm I'm his cue, Leonardo da Vinci. And when he booked uh, Batman for um, the Arkham games, uh, I was so I've never been so equally happy and disappointed that I didn't get the job. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, again, I I would say he's pretty pretty perfectly. Uh, in some ways, exceeding uh, the the legacy from other voice actors as Batman. I love his Batman. Yeah, we, we love we, we absolutely love him, and uh, he is greedy too. I mean, he gets to play Captain America. Now we're looking at uh, Megatron and, uh, and Optimus Prime walking around, and they're about eight, ten foot tall. There's a Darth Mickey walking around. Uh, dude, Carlos, thanks. Let's get you in the studio back in LA. All right, man, for sure. All right. Thank you. Geekscape, as I ran into another friend here on the WonderCon floor, I'm sitting here with our friend Tony, who used to be known as Crazy for Comic-Con, but now we have to know him as the hero within. <laughs> Last time you were on the show, you were talking about your brand new clothing line. You'd re- acquired the DC license, and this is really nice clothing. Uh, folks, if you go to herowithinstore.com, you can see everything that they have to offer. There's, there's Flash, uh, Batman... Wonder Woman, Superman, uh, and some Aquaman. I see some Aquaman insignias, and it's all, uh, if you're a fan of those characters, you can get really high quality, uh, kind of almost dressy, you know, um, outfits for it. Really nice shirts, really nice jackets, really nice business clothes. I mean, this thing's blown up, I think. <laughs> well, you know what? When I was uh, going to all these cons like you, you are, and just seeing all these, like, vendors of t-shirts and hoodies all over the place. I realize there's nothing really, no real options out there for guys that's sophisticated, that's subtle, it's something that guys could wear to the office or out on a date or at an event. And so, uh, yeah, so we launched out and we pitched it to Warner Brothers. They loved it. They granted us the DC license. And then uh, here recently, a few, a couple weeks ago, we announced our Marvel license. And so we are now heavy in designing Marvel. And we're hoping to release that collection sometime this summer. So, what are some of the? I mean, obviously, I'm guessing there's going to be a Captain America, some Spider-Man, Iron Man's popular, the Hulk is popular, and then uh, the X-Men is also in there as well. You're dealing with Marvel proper, so you get access to all the characters at that point. Um, what are some of the characters that you're most uh, excited about, if you can say? Well, we're gonna we're gonna release probably in this first collection maybe about ten or twelve pieces. It's all gonna be Squirrel Girl. <laughs> that's our the hope we're betting all the chips on score now uh you know i mean obviously we're going to do the the big characters we'll do a couple pieces that are just like um avengers focused just like all the avengers and then of course cap and um thor and the whole gang but i'm really particularly excited about black panther you know we're going to come out with some black panther pieces for guys and for the gals and uh so you know i just feel like that this is a time i mean this is black panther's time and and it's an honor to be able to design something for that character and for that universe 
Is there a favorite hero that you specifically would love to uh, see? Uh, maybe from your childhood, maybe like a childhood favorite that you want to see uh, and be a part of designing an outfit for? Yeah, I mean, my, um, I mean, my favorite growing up was Cap. You know, Captain America, and so we're designing a really sweet piece. Uh, a lot of like thought, and consideration, and and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears is going into this particular Captain America design, and so I can't wait to share that with you. But that one particularly is one that just like resonates with me as a young kid. Is it a jacket? Well, you know, it's possibly a jacket. You'll see. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you think of uh, when you think of Cap, especially a hero like that. It, it, you can actually throw back to the 40s yeah. and it doesn't it, and it's still appropriate to the character and a lot of that stuff is cool i mean i i feel like bomber jackets and flight jackets and and even military stuff got popular again yeah. uh back in the 80s and 90s some of that stuff is just uh some of that stuff never goes out of fashion yeah and that's one of the things that uh, what we designed is we're less about fad more about fashion so our styles are real classic as far as like blazers picots the, the, the denim jackets and so our design aesthetic is really something that's timeless and something that really can uh you can wear season after season and it's not like super like faddish or something like that uh, of the DC stuff that you have here, I see, you know, a really nice flash hoodie. I see a really uh, cool jean jacket for Wonder Woman, uh, the, a, a female Wonder Woman sweater, or a, a female a flash sweater, and then there's a, a really cool Batman button-up shirt with tiny insignias, and then the, also the button-up over here that has the entire JLA insignias. It just looks like a nice checkered shirt if you were to see it down the street, and then you get up close and you realize that it's got some of your favorite characters' insignias on it. Uh, what is the hottest seller here at WonderCon? Yeah, so the hottest seller for sure is our Wonder Woman um, uh, dress that we have available for the ladies. Uh, it's it's like a um, uh, you have to go online and definitely check it out. But it's just it's very subtle, but it's also very bold at the same time. It's a very classy, sophisticated looking Wonder Woman uh, dress that definitely has been our big seller. And of course, the Wonder Woman jean jacket for both guys and gals. And so both the guys and the, and the ladies have been just going crazy over uh, that jacket. Because, again, it's a classic looking denim jacket. Uh, casual, a little rugged, but with the Wonder Woman insignia like um, smartly integrated into the back. So, uh, Geekscape, I would describe this dress the, as a blue uh, with a red center. Uh, sort of like a... It, it, it's not a. It's not a pencil. It's not like a pencil dress. It, it almost. It almost feels like a Deanna Prince. What Deanna Prince would wear undercover, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, I know nothing about fashion, so really, like, Tony's really gonna have to be my guide on this stuff. I think. I think he, what he's doing is he's not just providing clothes. He's providing a service for people like me who don't really know how to dress themselves. <laughs> uh, I see somebody trying on the. Uh, the is that a Batman themed uh, pea coat? Yeah. That looks pretty awesome. Yeah, so, so that's also been for the guys. It's been our best seller for sure. Ever since we launched, we launched with that pea coat, and that thing has, I mean, by far has been the best for all of our for guys. They just loved it, and they'll buy year round. And uh, we're actually almost sold out of, of them here at WonderCon. It really says something when you're able to sell a pea coat in I Southern know, California. Right? It's totally. like 80 degrees outside. Yeah, it's heavy, but you know the design of it's so cool. You wear it and you feel like Bruce Wayne, and like. Um, but yeah, when you can sell that in California, you know something's going on. So yeah, so it's really cool. It almost feels like you need to have like the the pea coat because of uh, the way we associate it with uh, with the ocean, as having some kind of Arthur Curry thing yeah. going on here. Like like you know, or, or is that too much? Like, um, or is that too on the nose? Where do some of these inspirations come from, and how big is your team of designers? 
Well, it's only myself, and then I work with a, a design partner. My design partner has all of the like technical experience of manufacturing, and um, and then I have, of course, the pop culture experience. And so we sort of joined forces, and we uh, were able to come up with something that is both innovative and practical, but then also really authentic to the fandom experience. Because you know, you've seen it. Um, you go to shows like this, and you'll see all kinds of different merchandise pop up. And I don't know. To me, I can tell when. It's not from an authentic place, you know, when there are people are just creating something to, for a cash grab. The thing that I don't like is when you just merge two properties together yeah, and yeah. it feels like pandering. Yeah, and they just, you know, they'll screen print something on and just sort of like go forward. And, and so we want to create something that really, one of our values is this idea of integration that you should be able to, you shouldn't have to like uh, be a normal dude or gal from 9 to 5 and then be a geek and nights and weekend. You should, you should integrate your fandom in your everyday life. And so we want our clothes to be able to like, the fandom to be integrated into the clothing in a really subtle way, and so um, so that's why we want to create something that's just it's an authentic experience. It's something that's real, genuine that uh, fans are really proud of to wear when they're out in the, out in um, you know in their world. And the other thing that I a complaint that I have a lot with, uh, with stuff that's that's sold to fans is the quality is low. The quality here is a bit. Higher, yeah. uh, you know, and what's the co- what's the price point for some of these items? Yeah, so our um, our shirts, our our button down shirts are about forty dollars, forty forty fifty, depending on what season it is, and uh, and then we have lightweight jackets that are uh, anywhere from a hundred to hundred and fifty, and then our heavyweight jackets are about that one seventy five to two fifty, about that range. And so you know, it's it certainly isn't the again the t shirt and hoodie range, but if you want something that's quality that you can wear season after season, year after year. And something that again, it's not going to go out of style. It's going to stay in for a, a long time. Then uh, you know you got you to gotta check us out. So Tony, I don't mean to put yourself on blast, but you, well, maybe that's the point of this. Uh-huh. But you've got DC. Yeah. You've announced Marvel. Uh-huh. Uh, we got the two big comic book publishers locked up. Is there another comic book publisher you'd love to work with, or jumping into jumping mediums? Maybe there is a great video game license out there, a video game publisher. Or uh, or TV series or film series that you'd like to be a part of? Yeah, the Smurfs. I feel like that's the wave of the future. Is uh, I think guys really want to wear those white hats. <laughs> I want to wear those white hats. <laughs> and unless you wear the red hat, that means you're the boss. Uh, you know, I um, of course um, I'm grateful for Marvel, NDC. We're gonna have our hands full with that. But you know, what nerd doesn't dream about things like Star Wars, right? And um, there's also some high possibility that we'll be playing in the um, Possibly the Harry Potter universe someday, and um, and there's there's definitely plenty of we've got been approached by some video games as well, and um, so we you know we want to go beyond just the movie properties, but also uh, video game, and there's a lot of TV properties as well. There's some I can't announce it yet, but there's some TV properties that we're also in development for. So right now it's just a matter of it's a matter of. Um, time and capacity uh, to be able to execute on some of those. And so I'll say that just keep checking back with us because we're constantly making new announcements and uh, there's going to be a lot of new opportunities coming around the future. So Geeks gave us, that is the HeroWithinStore.com, HeroWithinStore.com, and you can check out all their stuff. Uh, they might be sold out from a lot of it. Uh, a lot of it might be sold out after this weekend. But uh, we would like to know, uh, Tony, has, we knew him back when. When he when he came and announced the first line here on Geekscape and um, and uh, dude, we're excited to see what else happens. We'll see you in San Diego, I'm guessing. That's right, San Diego. We'll be there. Um, I don't can't remember our booth number yet, but uh, we'll be releasing a bunch of new stuff. We have a couple of big exclusives, as well as the uh, the Marvel stuff will be there as well. Woo!
Oh, get your pocketbooks ready, you escapists. Uh, all right, dude. Have a great all rest right. of WonderCon. Thanks, Jonathan. All right, Geekscapists. I'm sitting outside of the main floor here at WonderCon with my good friend Mark Andreco. He was doing a signing right up until a few minutes ago, and he agreed to sit down with me to talk about his latest projects. What were you signing back in there? Well, we're actually standing up, not sitting we down. We are definitely so. standing. Okay, let's, my let's, bad. Let's have truth in uh, journalism because there's not enough of that. Uh, I just finished up writing Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Meet Betty and Veronica. With, I wrote that with Paul Dini. So you and Paul Dini got to write that? Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, if anybody knows that character, maybe it's the person who created it. No, when he asked me to come on board, I'm like, no, you're Paul Dini. Why would I? Why would you want me to help? So that was Why did he want you to help? I mean, no offense, but like... Because he has good taste. Because <laughs> uh, I kidnapped his dog, but we don't talk about that. Um, and then I have some stuff coming out that I can't talk about, some big stuff that's going to be... That was Bye. To, no, it was supposed to be announced here, got pushed back to C2E2, but some big stuff... Um, I'm also finishing up um, the sequel to my steampunk Red Sonia. I did a, a legendary Red Sonia book for Dynamite based on Bill Willingham's legendary world, which was all like the Phantom and all those characters reimagined as steampunk. So I, the first one was successful enough that I'm doing uh, that Red Sonia as a pirate queen in a steampunk universe, which is super fun. That's kind of cool. Um, so I know you a lot from your work with DC. Like mm-hmm. That's the stuff you're really popular with. Mm-hmm. You did the Wonder Woman 66 uh, no, that's Batman 66. You did Wonder Woman 77. Seven. And I co Batman 66, Wonder Woman 77. That's what you did. Uh, and, and you've been on Geekscape before. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about was the, the book you're signing in there. The, the uh, I mean, because I, I look up and you're like on Conan O'Brien or, or, or you're on, you're on late Myers. night, you're on Seth Myers for these, like, you're actually, comics are great, Geekscape is. I'm just going to take you aside. Comics are great and everything, but Mark is actually working on stuff that is making social change. No, don't roll your eyes with me because no, no, because I think the stuff that you were doing was really important, and I wanted to talk to you about sure. it. Uh, I did a book. I organized a book called Love is Love uh, that came out in December of 2016. It was to raise money for the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando in June of 2016. We need another one. We need. Uh, if I did one for every mass shooting, we would, it would be weekly. It's, yeah. it's horrifying. Um, but we raised over $200,000 for the victims and their families, and now the book is staying in print. It debuted at number one in the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, it features the first and only appearance of Harry Potter in a comic book drawn by Jim Lee. J.K. Rowling was gracious enough to let us use a quote of Dumbledore's and do an illustration. Um, Patty Jenkins wrote the introduction. Uh, and we're keeping it in print. It won the Eisner Award, and I got to win a Humanitarian Award, which was weird. Um, but yeah, the book is staying in print. We have it, It's in seven different languages around the world. There's a French version, a Portuguese version, German, Dutch, Spanish, and Italian. Uh, and all those versions are being... Uh, the money they raise are going to go to LGBT charities in those countries, and the new, the, the newest printing, the Trevor, the, the uh, charity is the Trevor Project, which is the same charity that John Oliver, his book about Mike Pence's gay bunny, yeah. is going to. And the Trevor Project is a great charity. It's a it's a twenty four hour crisis hotline for LGBT youth, so it's a really wonderful charity. So it was nice. You know, the world is such a dark place now, and this country is such a mess that to see people come together and do something charitable out of the goodness of their heart. I mean, the publishers donated services, the paper was all donated, the first couple printings, all the money, everything was free, so it made a lot of money and got to help people out. And that was a cross-publisher initiative. Who, what, who was involved in that? Uh, it was co-published by DC and IDW, but um, uh, Archie let us use their characters, the Will Eisner estate let us use the spirit. Um, who else appeared in it? Um... I'm trying to think who else. But Marvel let a lot of their exclusive artists and writers contribute to the book. So it was really... I grew up as a kid of We Are the World. Yeah. So my, my go-to place is when there's a tragedy and you're an artist, 
do something that's more than just giving a check to charity. Do something that's a memorial to these people. So that was my instant reflex when I heard about the shooting. I'm like, we should do something. And then the day after the shooting, when I posted on Facebook, we should do a charity comic book, I got home that night and there were 70 emails from people saying, I'm on board. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm doing a charity book. And in six months, we had this book come out and it was a once in a lifetime experience. I mean, maybe not, Mark. Like, well, I hate to say. I mean, t- today was the was the enough march. Yeah. Like this was a, this was the enough march well, I mean, today. Once in a lifetime experience is organizing something. Like yeah. That. I mean, unfortunately, the world is a place now where we're we're numb to this stuff, and that's the last thing we should be numb to. If you're numb to the the, the death of innocent people because you love your guns, I don't want you around me. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I mean, sadly, when you, when I remember when the book came out, and everybody remembers the Pulse nightclub shooting, and here we are, like, and this stuff has become so normalized that it's it's horrified. It's horrifying. Um, I think that what that what you did, and hopefully, I mean, not that you not that you have to bear the brunt of continuing that, but people should be running with this torch and well, and be and creating more, more. Whether it's an album, whether it's a, a comic, whether it's a, a film, whether it's a series, whatever it is. Well, there is a lot of that going on there. Just a, a book collection called Mine just came out about for Planned Parenthood, a comic book anthology. And J.H. Uh, Williams, who co-created Batwoman, has a charity, um, a charity comic book coming out from Image for the victims of the Las Vegas shooting, which trumped the Pulse nightclub shooting is the biggest shooting. I mean, you know, there was less than six months later, something even worse happened. Um, it, but it's just a really sad statement, I think, that as I said earlier, if I did one of these for every mass shooting, we, the book would come out weekly. And that's something we as a society need to look at and, and, and take some responsibility for because, you know, we're all in this together. We're all, we're all, the, we're much more similar than we are different and we need to get over fear of other and embrace other because that's what makes for good culture and good art. Yeah, not that I'm not excited for Harley Quinn running around with Catwoman oh, and Betty and Veronica, but like, and not that I'm not proud of you. Oh, no, it's not. But, a, but, but this fucking thing that you did was incredible. Well, and I'm just poking you. I'm like, you need to take, you need to take credit, I, damn it, Mark. I, well, you know, I, I, it was I'm a lot of, it you. was a lot of people that were involved. I mean, I, I lit the, I lit the fuse, but there were over 500 people who donated their services. So it was nice to be a part of that. And if it's the only thing I'm remembered for in my obituary, I'll die a happy man. Cause it was nice to be able to give back. And, you know, members of family members who's lost people reached out to me, you know, uh, Gay teenagers in places where they're not allowed to be out have reached out to me and said how much the book meant to them. So it's really a privilege. I mean, you know, we do this stuff because we like doing it, but to actually have a positive effect on someone's life, it's really intimidating, but it's really gratifying. And, and all and I since that since the book, I try and do one at least one nice thing for a stranger every day because it takes no effort and nothing makes you feel better than doing something to help someone else. Besides besides honoring me with this uh, interview and, and taking some of your time away from WonderCon, what did you do today? That was nice. Uh, what did I do today? <laughs> I don't think I've done it. Maybe you haven't done it yet, no, but you're about to. You're about to. I did, I did some stuff yesterday, but I didn't do anything today. And dealing with my ass doesn't count. Okay. Dealing with my annoying ass doesn't count. Like, is, pretending is, that you're my friend. Charity? It's charity, but I'm going to say it doesn't count because everybody pretends to be my friend, Geekscapus. Well, you know we're really good friends, right, Sylvester? <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester's not even my middle name, oh. Geekscapus. You know that. Um... Okay, so I, I, I want to kind of poke and prod to see what these new announcements are, but maybe we'll just have you on Geekscape here in the near future, yes, Mark, to do it. You're not, yeah, it's a shame that this didn't get announced today. I know. I was down here for the announcement, and they're like, well, we're not announcing it now, so, and I can't really talk about it because the companies I'm working for have snipers hidden. 
I mean, if you don't, you know, and they know you signed the NDAs, they treat it like nuclear secrets. So, but when it is announced, I'll gladly come on and talk about it. And when the uh, the book you're doing with Paulini, when does that come out? Uh, the last issue just came out two weeks ago of issue six. How many? Uh, six issues, and the collection will be solicited. I think the collection will be coming out in July or August. A hard cover. I think that's what we look for, Geekscape, is because I obviously missed the boat on this thing. Um, Comic-Con, let's figure out a way to get Mark maybe to the Geekscape booth there in Absolutely. San Diego. Of course. And let's promote that book. Hopefully, in that uh, window in July, that book is already out. If not, um, we'll I, I think I think that Mark should be rewarded for this kind of work that he's been doing. I mean, they, I was so, that love is love thing was huge. Yeah, it, it, it really. I had no idea how big it would become. It's you know we have seven different foreign editions, and I mean it's taken on. A, it's going to live long beyond me, and that makes me really happy to keep giving back. Um, you posted on Facebook to get it rolling, and now Facebook's kind of in the crosshairs in a lot of ways. And I'm seeing a lot of my friends deleting Facebook. And I know Geekscape is that we have the Geekscape Forever group on Facebook where we have a lot of, you know, community. We talk a lot. But I myself have dealt, I've started to think about the concept of deleting Facebook. I don't agree with some of the stuff. I mean, a lot of the stuff they do. No, I don't, I don't either, but it's, 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 it's a slippery slope because I think that Mark Zuckerberg is... A horrible person, um, but it's a so it is a way to talk to people. And as as a, as a freelance artist, you know it's how you promote things. And and I generally block the people that are nasty, and I don't I ignore all that other stuff. So I I, I make fa- I let Facebook work for me. I don't work for it. And if something comes up that's better and more reliable and less politically irresponsible, I will gladly do it. So it's now that and Twitter. But uh, yeah, and I also want to get to a point where I don't have to do social media because it's a, it's a rabbit hole to exhaustion. I like doing podcasts and interviews and stuff. But you can really post something on Facebook and you're there four hours later and you're like, wait a minute, what, where did my day go? So. Yeah, they, they are designed to... Uh, the word... I, I, I borrow this word from Tim Ferriss who's, who's a podcast I listen to every week. Uh, but it's disruption. They don't, they, they don't want to... They just want, you have your goal when you wake up in the morning. These are the things you're going to accomplish. They just want to disrupt it. And they just want to pop up and disrupt it and then you're there. And it gives you the illusion of doing something and I think that's why people like Trump get elected because people think if they like something on Facebook, they've done something that day. Now we're seeing with these kids from Florida who are reminding me of the the civil rights activists of the 60s or the AIDS activists of ACT UP in the 80s. They're, They're engaged and they're realizing that they have to be productive in society. It's a shame it takes a tragedy, but you can't have a renaissance unless you have a dark age. And so we are entitled to flying cars and robot bodies after this administration. Or as Chris Rock said, now we're going to get Jesus. Did you see his stand-up yeah. special? <laughs> it's like, now we're going to get Jesus. Um, dude, thanks for coming oh, good on this show, dude. Long, have so. a great, you have a panel upstairs? I have a panel at 6.30, but if, there, if you're really looking for something of mine to buy, on Wednesday of this week, the, collect, the paperback collection of Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman 77 comes out. Ooh! With an Alex Ross cover. Uh, dude, that Alex Ross cover is probably amazing. Yeah, you get Linda cool. Carter and Adam West and all that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Awesome. So I will talk to you guys soon, whether it's San Diego or some before that. Whatever you want, dude. Awesome. You know how to find me. Dude, Good Mark, you, thank you friend. so much. Thank I'm giving you, so you a hug because of everything you've done. Awesome. Good Thanks, to see dude. Bye, Mark. Geekscapists, I'm here outside of the Boom uh, booth here on the floor at WonderCon with my good friend, Andre Blacknerd. You guys have seen him on Geekscape. You've seen him on some of our videos. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing really good. What have you been doing down here? I, I turn around, and you're signing at the Boom uh, thing, and I'm like, oh, wait, is he... Uh, uh, look, look, look who's coming. What? Oh, my gosh. Yep. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ahura herself was just oh, wheeled past. Uh, so Andre, Michelle Nichols just literally got wheeled by. The magic of the convention. So, uh, Andre, I, I see you signing at the boom booth, and yes. I'm like, did, did this guy draw a comic? Did this guy write a comic? What is going on with this guy in the comic? All right, this is, this is synergy at its finest right here. So, I am part of a tabletop RPG series called Power Rangers Hyperforce. Uh, Hyper RPG, who put it together. It's like a tabletop RPG game, D&D style, but it's set in the universe of Power Rangers. It's a whole new Power Ranger team. We jump around through different eras of the Power Rangers timeline, and, and so we've been doing that for a few weeks. So, simultaneously, there is a Power Rangers comic book. There's two Power Rangers comic books, actually. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which takes place after Tommy became the Green Ranger, and then Go-Go Power Rangers, which is right after the, the original five got their powers. So they did a special variant cover of Google Power Rangers number eight with our characters from Hyperforce on the cover. So we're now here signing those covers that people got, which is really cool. And it's all part of their what they're calling the Shattered Grid event, which is a very special event that's happening in both of the comic books that's going to uh, make some changes or, or have some different things happen that different eras of Power Rangers, which we also got to play in that world on Power Rangers Hyperforce, the tabletop RPG. So it's all mixed together like that. And that's on a YouTube channel? Which YouTube channel so, has uh, that? The, the Twitch or what? Yeah, we play it live every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time on twitch.tv slash hyperrpg. So that's where you can see it live and, and chat with the, with the with everyone who's watching along, and it's really great. Then if you're a Twitch subscriber to HyperRPG, you can watch any of the episodes all the way from episode one to now uh, on demand. And then the following week, we put them up on their YouTube channel, and it's also on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, so you want to listen to it in podcast form. So, so whatever way, whatever way you choose, ingest it. But I always recommend watching it live because it's so much fun. You got the chat room right there, and they're all just into it. It sounds, it sounds like the Power Rangers version of like Crisis on Infinite Earths or like Secret War that they yeah. recently had in the Marvel Universe to kind of try and reset things, kind of like mess things up. You see all different variations of characters. Yeah, well, anyone that's watched Power Rangers, you, it knows that it's a uh, part shot <laughs> new footage and in part. Super Sentai footage. So what's nice about doing both the comic books and our show, the RPG series, is that because we're all kind of creating it, we can play around with the eras as much as we want to because we're not relying on just what we have on Sentai or just what we have story-wise. So if the comic wants to have different Power Rangers, different eras meet each other, you can do that in the comic because they can be the same age in the comic, whereas in real life, <laughs> they're going to be obviously different years. Same thing with our RPG series. We're able to hop around in these different eras and kind of give a little bit of behind the scenes of what's been happening when you know about major things that happen in the story or the lore of Power Rangers, but from our perspective. So it's really, really cool to do it that way. But yeah, it's totally playing around in those worlds and, and doing some different things that you could never really do on the show in RPG form. So it's nice. That sounds huge. And it, well, what it sounds like, it sounds like our friend uh, Eric Francisco, who's a huge Power Rangers fan, is going to love this. If he yeah. doesn't know about it anyway, he probably knows about it already. He probably already watches you. But he's going to be a huge fan of this. Uh, I have to ask you though, what we haven't caught up. What did you think of the last uh, latest Power Rangers movie? Oh, I really enjoyed it. I, oh, I, I, I meant Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh yeah. Oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, and it's very funny. I actually, it's actually, my latest video that I put up on my YouTube channel, Black Nerd Comedy. Uh, I was going to just do like a regular review of the movie, but I was like, no, there's something else here. So I actually did uh, five ways that Pacific Rim Uprising is totally Power Rangers. I'll give you the shorthand version. Like, there's different robots fighting monsters. I mean, I know it's a lot of things. I know it's a lot of, you know, mech series and whatever, but come on. <laughs> it was very Power Rangers. They're called Ranger in the movies, and they, and they made a very clear point in this one to say it every time, like Ranger Lambert. Ranger. I was like, all right, let's see what's going on here. And, you know, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but 
you see John Boyega, you see Scott Eastwood in the trailers, you're thinking like that they're the the team, and it's like yeah, they're they're in there, but there's also this group of teenagers with attitude that they recruit and and train that become the ones that fight the, with these robots, and you're just like, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I um, I I was a fan of the Power Rangers, the new Power Rangers yeah. movie. I thought that movie was a lot of fun, yeah. and I definitely popped off when they started doing Go Go Power Rangers. When they all, yeah. and I was like, this is fucking awesome because they're embracing the fun of it. Yeah. Uh, I had seen, uh, sorry Geekscapers, but I mean I do have a, a job in marketing for Universal that I don't talk about a lot on, on Geekscape, but it allows me to see these movies very early. And for months I had thought that the new uh, Pacific Rim Uprising was a fun Power Rangers-ish movie, yeah. and I'm a fan of it. And and and, um, and there are fans of Pacific Rim who are not a fan of this new movie because they you know they love Pacific Rim or this yeah. and that. I don't see the movies as being too drastically different. And I, I think that if you like kaiju and you like giant mech fun, yeah. that Pacific Rim Uprising is a is, is a fun movie for you. But yeah. if you start, I mean, if you start taking this shit too seriously, why are you going to the movies? What what someone on, online is taking movies about geeky stuff too seriously? Yeah. What? People don't do that. <laughs> it's like re- re- really, you were upset with this movie yeah. and, and that had all this insane stuff going on. I thought this movie w- had a, had more monsters, more ki- uh, more kaiju, more mechs, and it, it felt a little more faster and looser than the original Pacific Rim. Yeah, there's, there's, different, there's definitely a different tone to it, and you can kind of feel the franchise in it. And I guess that's some people are just like, well, everything's a franchise now, but it's like, oh, welcome to 2018. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I, you know, the thing is, is that you, everyone's gonna have their own feelings about any movie whatever you go in there like I knew I kind of when I watched that first trailer I was like I get what this is going to be I like I know what Pacific Rim was but I'm totally getting what Uprising is going to be that's how I felt about Tomb Raider that's how I feel about Ready Player One it's just like you kind of get the vibe of like I know what this is and if you enjoy it for what it is whatever the movie is then that's fine I, you know every movie cannot be make you cry or make you like you know like the highest form of of movie ecstasy in the world and every movie's not the worst thing in the world like, and, and there's a danger geekscapist and being that big of a snob in which that you criticize pacific rim uprising for being a franchise when the basis for these movies <laughs> are franchises like yeah. godzilla was a franchise yeah. king kong was franchised yeah anything with a Gundam in it was absolutely <laughs> franchise. Yeah. These, this is a franchise based on a love letter to franchises. Yeah. Like, you can't just be like, oh, this shit's a franchise. <laughs> yes, it is a franchise, and it is a love letter to the franchises that led it. And you, It's not like Godzilla was a solo art film. Yeah. It fucking wasn't. <laughs> all right? It was a franchise. These are You're criticizing a franchise yeah. based on franchises, and I've seen Ready Player One. Have you seen Ready Player One? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't read the book, and I think that the that n- having not read the book, I went in pretty. I was cynical about Ready Player One because I'm very cynical about geek pandering, mm-hmm. and I and I went in and I from the opening minutes, Geekscapers, I fucking loved every minute of this movie. Yeah. So maybe I'll go into uh, Ready Player One in a later uh, episode where the sound's a little better because I'm not at WonderCon, but (laughs) just know that I loved every minute of Ready Player One, and the shout-outs to all the different characters and the Easter eggs didn't feel distracting. It didn't feel forced. It was all... Uh, it was all a big celebration. Well, that's the thing that's happening right now. I mean, we're getting into a generation now where people behind the scenes 
on the people that grew up with this stuff. So there is, you know, I remember, I mean, because, you know, you remember those, some of those movies we got in the late 90s, early 2000s, where you could clearly feel it was like some 65-year-old dude that had no idea what the franchise was. And go, I hear the kids like this. Let's make a movie, you know? But now you're getting people who are writing, directing, and producing these things that genuinely have a love for these things, and you can feel it and see it. I mean, that's what's awesome about even a part of this. I mean, like, the reason why I got to be a part of, of Hyperforce is that they knew that I was someone who was a fan of the Power Rangers and they wanted to have some fun internet personalities be part of the show. So they're like, perfect, let's do that. And that's the kind of cool thing that's happening a lot now with franchises that they want to work with people who genuinely like it because it's going to then show in the work. And so when you you have so many different ways to do that, so many different mediums to do that with movies, TV shows, comic books, internet series, all that kind of stuff, there's just so many forms and fashions that you can use to just enjoy whatever it is that yours your thing. And there's so many different things, you know? <laughs> so it's great. So. Yeah, I, I was eating, I was definitely had a big pile on my face for the cynicism <laughs> I had walking into Ready Player One because... Yeah. I love that movie very well, much. It's understandable. I mean, we, we're getting so much of it now, and I think that's the thing is like, you know, I remember that we used to have like your one superhero movie or your one genre movie like in a quarter or half a year or whatever. And now we're getting to the point where it's like this month alone, we had a book, a movie based on a young adult novel, a movie based on a video game, a movie based on a previous movie that's based on a lot of different franchises, and then you get this movie that literally is like all forms of nostalgia, in, in one and that's all in just in March. That's not even including Black Panther being a big thing in February, that's not including Avengers Infinity War coming in April, and then all of a sudden we're getting in the summer, and it's like, that's crazy that, that we're getting so many of these types of movies, and that some of them are the biggest best reviewed best selling you know top top box office movies when these used to be like throwaway films that people used to do back in the day that you could tell just no one cared about and like that's so awesome and that's very telling of how much we love this and so it is a fun celebration but when you get so much of it then it, it kind of sometimes becomes that thing of like you know when you eat your restaurant that you love so much and just after a while you're just like well maybe this meal wasn't as good as the last time I was here you know like start getting that way but you got to remember it's still though it's still the best that we've been getting versus what we've gotten before. I will never be critical of Popeyes ever. <laughs> no, 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 I will never be thinking of Popeyes. Popeyes never gets old, man. Popeyes never gets old. Andre, <laughs> dude, thank you. Uh, so you, uh, run us those times again for, yes, for yes. watching the show. So Power Rangers Hyperforce, you can catch it on twitch.tv slash hyperrpg. We air it live every Tuesday night uh, on at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Absolutely live. And then if you uh, are a subscriber to Hyper RPG, you can watch any of the videos on demand. And then the following week, we post them on the YouTube channel, Hyper RPG. But like I said, I really recommend watching it live. It's so much fun. You get to see everything happen live. You get to talk with the audience live. We do a, a fireside chat after to sort of regress and look back at everything we've done in that episode. Highly recommend it. And then you can check me out on YouTube. Black Nerd Comedy is my YouTube channel. So... Andre, I love you, boot. I'm, I'm so <laughs> proud of you, man. I'm so Thank proud you of so you. Much, man. Um, there it is. Geeks Gabus, we're going to keep walking the floor. Geeks Gabus, I'm here on the floor in Artist Alley, and you all, I'm literally sitting on the floor. And of course, you run into friends at cons, and I've run into uh, two good friends of mine, Daniel Corey and Yehudi Mercado, two very talented people who put me to shame on the ideas and talent level. Uh, but um, we run into Yehudi, and Yehudi has this booth over here, and it's facing a blank wall. <laughs> and location it's probably the worst location ever. Yehudi, uh, <laughs> who, do you, who do you need to sleep with to not have this location again? <laughs> Maybe I slept with someone, but did it wrong, and then that's why I'm here. 
I mean, this location kind of sucks. You are literally staring at a white wall. Yeah. Uh, Yehudi, I don't mean to put your shit on blast. Yeah. But <laughs> has it been a successful two days so far at WonderCon? So in, uh, in Emerald City in Seattle, I sold, I think, something like 180 books. Oh, my God. Here, Anaheim, WonderCon, I think I've maybe sold six books. Holy shit. What, what, what do you think that is? What do you attribute that to? Uh, I, I, th- I definitely think the Wonder Crown, WonderCon crowd is more interested in toys and like prints of characters they already know. So it's, they're not going to go after the new and indie stuff. Now, Dale Corey here is a culprit. Uh, he, he, came right, he came right up to me. And goes, check it out, man. I had these new prints done. <laughs> and Daniel Corey walks up and he's so excited. He got artists to do prints of his character Moriarty. My characters, though, that's different now. I didn't have him draw up Batman, so, but I. Yeah. Hey, it's not Wolverine. I can, I can, I can publish these. Now, I got this. Uh, I met this young lady named uh, Maddie Draws Things, um, and she was wonderful. She did a, a Bloodworth pinup for me, and then Dan Panosian did an amazing, mind blowing Moriarty uh, pinup for me. So, yeah. And uh, these will be printed in books at some point. So, uh, Dan, what did you think of Saifu? <laughs> Innovative. <laughs> it's, 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 you know. I, you know, if you've only sold six books, maybe maybe you have to consider you've just lost your charisma, man. Maybe that's <laughs> were any of the six books while you were going while you're going and, and getting prints for your own idolatry. <laughs> how many issues of how many issues of Saifu did you buy for you? Hoodie, I'm going to do this right now. Right. I'm taking out my wallet. Yeah. I want to be issue number seven. Sweet. I just want you to sign it. So I just take out my wallet. My All card right. is here. You take card. You take anything at this point. <laughs> he'll take food. He'll take stamps. Will, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but listen. I will run a deposit <laughs> slip to the bank with your name on it. So I'm going to buy an issue as soon as we wrap this up. Uh, and not out of pity. I've actually wanted to, re- to read the book for a while. Uh, Geeks gave us Yehudi. We, we love him so much. And people are loving it. I don't know what's wrong with this crowd. Yeah. Uh, Oni Press, which you, you guys love. I love Oni Press. Uh, is putting out the book and uh, and it's in local stores. I, it, not just local; it's in nationwide stores. Only publishes n- uh, nationally, internationally. Um, let's talk real briefly, though. Um, speaking of local stores, Meltdown Comics is closing, yeah. which is like an LA in- comics institution. I may, I think I met Dan. At, 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 I might have met you guys at events there. But what do you guys think of Meltdown Comics? Yes. Like uh, this legendary comic shop closing. They uh, So my first book that I self-published, Buffalo Speedway, Austin Books and Comics was the first store to carry it. Meltdown was the second. And it's, I mean, it's been there my whole comics career. It's, it's going to be weird not to have them around. From what I hear, and it's also, it was also the, the, uh, the place where they had Nerd Melt, the, the Nerdist Meltdown comedy uh, theater in the back. We, we used to perform comedy there all the time. Um, I've recorded some episodes of Geekscape there, and now it's closing on the at the end of this month, and it's pretty insane because again, it is an institution here in LA. And if only like the guy behind Nerdist was a millionaire married to a billionaire, maybe you think he could chip in, or I don't know. <laughs> ever since ever since Yehudi uh, <laughs> exhibited at Chris Hard- at Chris Hardwick's convention, he's been so salty. <laughs> so the ID10T, it was like a music festival. 
that was all supposed to be part Comic-Con, but here was the rub. So, you, they, you know, they had a crowd there. It was a great crowd, but they wouldn't let people, like, check their bags or, like, take their bags back to their car. So it's like no one's going to carry around a book until 2 a.m. at a concert. Like, so just logistically, it didn't, like, no one was buying any books. Yeah, uh, well, what's the excuse here? <laughs> What the excuse is they're all buying prints of their own characters. <laughs> and he puts the microphone in my face when he says that. I'm kidding with you. I'm kidding with you. Uh, uh, but it is sad that, that we, we, uh, what I heard actually about Meltdown was it's on that strip there on Sunset. And that, that entire block is really high priced. And they're looking to maybe build it into a higher you know condo, mix, mixed workspace. Uh, so it just seemed like every everything in, in in Hollywood is getting higher, and you're having tons of condos being built with workspaces. You know, at the, at the you know the 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 vertical, the, the vertical mixed use building, and it was just a matter of time for that block. Next year is 2019, so we got to get to Blade Runner as quickly as possible. You know, so keep keep building up Hollywood, keep building up. Yeah. So they bring Atari back and Pan Am back and <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That was the bright spot for me while I was sitting through uh, Blade Runner. I was like, "Well, Atari's doing great. They have the side of a building. How? Who? This is dystopian. Fuck the bees. They got Atari." <laughs> so uh, we were talking earlier about favorite snacks, <laughs> and I and I said I said I gotta throw up the uh, I gotta throw up the podcast because we're sitting here at WonderCon hanging with friends as you do at a con. And we started talking about Elvis's favorite snacks. And you yeah. said that Elvis... So I heard that... So he would take a whole loaf of white bread. He would bore out the middle. So, like, basically pull out the entire middle. Shove it full of bacon. And then deep fry that. And that sounds delicious. Yehudi, you're from Texas. I'm from Texas. <laughs> would you ever try something like that? Hell yeah. Add some jalapenos and I'm there. <laughs> How very Hispanic of you, sir. Um, did you did you ever go to the Spam Festival that they had there in Austin? Remember they had the uh, Spam Festival? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Was that part? That wasn't part of Eeyore's birthday, right? Eeyore's birthday was just a bunch of people on shrooms. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I remember drum just drum circles. Yeah, Austin, Austin still has that hippie community that hasn't turned into elitists from the coast coming and hanging out in Austin quite yet. I would like to think that the Spam Festival... And Eeyore's birthday have not given ways to things like Austin City Limits festivals in, in South by Southwest quite yet. That being said, I remember I was I, I watched a great movie the other day. Adam Rifkin has this movie that comes out this Saturday or this this next week. The Burt Reynolds movie, the last movie star. I went to the premiere the other night. Heidi invited me, and she's friends with Adam Rifkin. The movie's phenomenal. It's a great script. It's so sad, but it's Burt Reynolds basically playing Burt Reynolds, a version of Burt Reynolds looking back at his career now that he's... It's not a documentary. It's Burt Reynolds playing a character based on Burt Reynolds. It's basically Burt Reynolds playing Burt Reynolds. And he's looking back at his life, and it's so sad, and it's so great, and he's so brave for taking on this material because it's incredibly... uh, It's just... You have to humble yourself to do something like this. Yeah. Like he's not playing him; he, he's playing himself realistically. He's failing health, and nobody, you know, really wants to put him in movies anymore. Like, Mickey like little Mickey Rourke wrestlerish, and he gets in the plot of the movie is like he's nobody. He's a he's an old actor that nobody he used to be. Burt Reynolds, a hot star in the seventies, but now it's twenty eighteen, and he gets sent this this letter in the mail from the Tennessee 
you know, like Nashville Film Festival, and they want to present him with a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he gets in the, he gets on a plane, and he goes, and he realizes they're putting him up in a hotel by the freeway, and it's a bunch of kids who've rented out a bar to do a uh, a film festival, and he's like shit, and he just it's 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 a great movie. I really enjoyed it. That being said, I re- I was going to tell you, I remember when South by Southwest was that festival in the bar. Yeah. I remember when it was in Dobie. Well, I remember uh, when they first started the interactive portion, they had to give away passes because no one wanted to go. Yeah it's, 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 yeah, it's incredible now. Yeah, early 90s, that festival, the film portion of the festival was in the Dobby. And, like, they were giving awards away in, like, the Dobby food court area that was up there. It's now a Target. Around Harry Knowles and then, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, WonderCon has equally grown as much. It just hasn't grown on this... <laughs> on this aisle well, no, we're literally sitting in the aisle and nobody yeah. cares because it's, this aisle is a dead end it's kind of gone in reverse because WonderCon when it was at San Francisco it was great it was one of the best shows it was so well run you had at least, you had signage everywhere you knew where you were they would set up the artist alley where the big names would be on the ends yeah it was well done I don't know what happened we exhibited there the last year that it was in San Francisco and we had a lot of fun it was really cool, uh, and then they moved it to Anaheim, and I don't know if that was a preemptive move to, you know, in case things with San Diego and the convention center didn't work out, they could make a home for themselves here in Anaheim. That was always a rumor, um, but for me, it doesn't feel like a destination con, which I think is a problem. Uh, L.A. is such a big place that people don't feel like they have to come. They, you know, they can come Saturday or they can come Sunday. It's not a destination. They don't spend their entire time here. Uh, it's it's kind of tough putting the convention this big in such a big next to like such a big population center as Los Angeles. What do you think, Daniel? Is this still an inter- entertaining con for you? I will not make fun of you for getting your prints anymore. Um, well, I, I, I can't. I don't really have anything new to add other than you know I, I do. There's always the talk. People say they go to cons because they they oh I hate that there's all the movies there. I hate that there's all the things there. I want to support comics. Da 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 da. And I'm not seeing that bear out so much i think those people there's people that's the few people that say that probably mean it and they're kind of lost in the crowd here or something or i don't know what but um i mean southern california is is it's a tough it's a tough nut here and a lot of people are just jaded they don't want to hear your stories your concepts they're they hear it they hear you know tv pitches whatever all all day so so yeah it's 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 rough i i only uh i only did one i did one the last one in san francisco i was on i was on your show then um i was at your booth i remember that that was back in 2011 yeah 2011 that's a good memory uh would you say so you're saying almost that the proximity to hollywood hurts this this convention i think so i think so yeah i think just yeah a lot of like i said a lot of it has to do with a lot of folks around here just hear pitches all the time you know they're so yeah <laughs> that's really about it. I mean, I, I think I see somebody approaching your booth, Yehudi, for that uh, yeah, Saifu comic. Uh, oh, yeah, it's going back on the shelf. It's going back on the... I'm sorry, Yehudi. Uh, to make up for it, I'm still going to buy a copy. Um, I love you guys. Um, Comic-Con, we're going to be there. Same Geekscape booth. Same obnoxious stuff. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, on the topic of snacks, what I used to make as a kid... I would make a sandwich with peanut butter, and then I would put that the spicy Bob's jalapeno chips, potato chips, on top. Crunch it down with peanut butter. Delicious. You don't want to go running with me? No, <laughs> not at all. Never. 
Oh, you'll have so much fun. I had a thing for Doritos and peanut butter. Like, Doritos and crunchy peanut butter. You just, like... Wait, you scoop the peanut butter with the Doritos? What the fuck? Uh, yeah, I haven't done it in years now. But, like, when I was a little kid, I loved it. So, yeah. But my, I, I learned... My dad taught me you could put peanut butter on just about any kind of food, you know, so... You know what? That might actually hold up. Yeah, because you yeah. get those, those uh, cheddar-flavored crackers with peanut butter. Same. Yeah. You guys are making me a believer. You're making me a believer. Um, all right. I love both of you guys. I don't think we can offer too much peanut butter at the Geekscape booth. That would just become a riot after a while. Um, do you have your own Artist Alley booth this summer in San Diego, or you want to come do something in the booth? Just be floating around. So maybe I'll do a pop-up shop at Geekscape again. I would be honored. And how about you, Danny? You want to come by the booth and do some stuff? I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Thank you. That's the only way I get away with being a big jerk to my friends is I turn around I'm like, hey, uh, you want to get some space at this uh, convention? You know, I can I can give you some booth space. Just let me abuse you publicly on my podcast. I'm so sorry about that. My first, my first sh- show signing ever, my first San Diego Comic-Con signing was at Geekscape. It was like in 2009, and we had preview issues of Moriarty. It was like the first 10 pages of Moriarty. It hadn't been published by Image or anything yet. I just printed my own copies. And, uh, yeah, that was my first my first show signing ever, and it was at San Diego, and it was with Geekscape. And that book had such high hopes until he did that. <laughs> I mean, Image was going to publish it. It was going to be great. And then all of a sudden, we just, once, once they got their st- – once we got our stink on them, that, it was it was. Anyway, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to both of you. Uh, but you know what? I love that you guys are sitting on the floor with me here at WonderCon, as part of the WonderCon special that I'm going to put up this week. Geekscape is. Uh, any closing words, your hoodie? Uh, go to SupermercadoComics.com. Uh, you can buy Saifu on Comixology or Amazon. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> and uh, Danny, any closing words for the Geeks Gamers? Yeah, um, Moriarty Endgame VR is available for Vive and Oculus on the Steam Store right now. And um, Moriarty Red City, Danger Cat's Profit, and Bloodworth now available on Comixology. And we got uh, the full run of uh, Bloodworth coming out later this year. So follow me at Danger Cat, Danger K A T T, for more updates. Now, those are real professionals, Geeks Gamers, because all I can offer you is more free podcasts. I don't know what I'm doing. You guys are like, here, <laughs> man, damn. I'm making fun of you for selling, not selling comics. Like, yeah, you, sold, you, you sold six more than I've done. I came, <laughs> I came down here for free. Who's the idiot now? <laughs> I love you, Geekscapists. Keep it real. Geekscape forever. So I really hope you enjoyed that super special Geekscape episode down there at WonderCon. Thanks to all my guests for sitting down with me, taking time from a very busy con floor. And, uh, and talking to me. I really had a fun time. Thank you to Comic-Con International and WonderCon for sending me down there. And thank you guys for listening. Some of those have been longtime Geekscape guests, and others are first-timers. So we'll have them back on the show to talk at length. Thank you guys for supporting Geekscape. Please share this episode with your friends. We have tons of episodes going back 12 years, so share whatever you'd like. Tell your friends to subscribe. Leave us those five-star reviews on iTunes. really does help us out a lot. And let's keep growing that community. So hop on Geekscape Forever on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Be a part of Geekscape. And now we're on the road to San Diego Comic-Con this summer. So 
Uh, tell your friends to subscribe, and you can go along with us. All right? Till next week. Bye.